seated. We are really blessed to have Pastor Andrew coming to share God's Word with us this morning, our lead ministry pastor. It's been such a blessing to be in this series in Romans, and today we continue in that. So can you welcome Andrew as he comes to share with us now? Thank you, Nathan. Thanks, Stuart. I don't know if Stuart's back yet, but um, it wasn't amazing to... um, hear a bit of Stuart's story, a bit of remnants of the water things drying out from a big hug. I was like, isn't, isn't um, church good, like the love within the church? Like I thought, beautiful, it's beautiful, and beautiful story there, so thank you, Stu. Um, if you're new here this morning, we just want to say welcome, we're so glad you are here. Um, as Nathan said, we're in a series in Romans. If you're online, um, isn't it amazing to have people joining us online and that God can speak wherever you are, uh, he'll speak to you as well. Um, so I, I just pray that just everyone lean in and um, that we might hear from God this morning from his word. This series in Romans is really, it's like a condensed version of the story of God. And we've said already, like, if you look at the start of creation, God created humanity to know humanity, to have just this incredible relationship, this intimacy with, with humans and that we would we create an image of God that we would reflect something of who God is. But with the sin of this world and the sin of our hearts, that has been so broken, so broken. And uh, the story of Romans and the story of the Bible is God restoring, through Jesus, restoring that experience of the glory of God to the human Uh, to us as humans, that you can still experience the glory of God, um, that relationship that he wants. Jesus is restoring it, that we would would one day know the fullness of the glory of God and life in him. Stuart shared it, the, the new life that comes in. He said, I've had it all, but I felt dead. But now there's life that God would reverse that process and restore our relationship with God and our experience of the glory of God. Now, as I've just spoken, you've probably heard this terminology, glory of God. Now, this is not something you probably talk with with your neighbour, glory of God, or you use, you probably didn't use it uh, in the last week. It's not usual language. What, what is the glory of God? I want to try and illustrate to us here, just through this little rock, um, Let's just imagine this little rock here represents the character of God. Um, So God's love, God's grace, his mercy, his his humility, his power, like that's God, that's the character of God. Now the word glory in the Hebrew means weight or heavy. Um, If you're in a situation or an argument, someone from a superior might throw their weight behind an argument or throw their weight behind an idea. It's the, the importance or the value or the strength, the, the weight, that's, that's the sense of glory. It's, it's big, it's other than. And it, it's in this sense, we're talking about the glory of God, the weight, it's big, it's majestic, it's above. So this rock doesn't really fit it, so I've asked the guys to bring out another rock that might help us understand the glory of God. Um, some of you might know I came from the granite belt down in Stanthorpe, and so I've got a rock here. Pray for no workplace health and safety um, issues here. Uh, but we have 
This rock is a piece of granite that is very heavy. You can sense the weight. Good job. Pray over that. So big the glory of God. So you can't be contained. There you go. There you go. So the glory of God, it's not like this. Could you see the, the weight of the glory of God? Like this, this love of God, just a little, little, like a little sense of love of God. Like that, but the weight of the love of God, the weight of the grace of God, the, the power of God. Can you sense the weight? Now, even that, I don't know about you, but I have moments where I sense just a glimpse of the glory of God. Do you ever have these moments where it's like, I remember when I first saw the Swiss Alps, I just looked at them and I thought, whoa, oh God, you, you are amazing. Like, it's just that something so much bigger than me. So, like, God created that. Sometimes I have a little moment of understanding the love of God. And I think, God, if, if that's what I can experience in this broken world, it's like a skerrick. It's just like a tiny bit of your love. Imagine, imagine what the, the fullness of glory of your love. So maybe it's not even this rock. Maybe it's El Capitan. Have you heard of El Capitan? We got the picture on the screen maybe. This is the biggest granite monolith um, in the world, El Capitan. Uh, a kilometre high, 2.5 kilometres. Like imagine just standing at the base of that rock. The guy that took that photo, he said, I was there mesmerized by that rock for an hour. It's like, he, he could have looked anywhere, 360 degrees, but for an hour he just stood at this rock and there's that sense, can you get the sense? Imagine trying to pick that rock up. Like, like the glory of God, that, it, it's unimaginable, it's unfathomable. So when I'm talking about the glory of God and God restoring our experience of the glory of God in this world, it's like that extent of God's love and God's grace and God's power and his mercy and his humility in your life and in my life. Amazing. That's the glory of God. And so within this series, just to go back a few steps, we realize that because of sin, we've been separated from God, the wrath and judgment of God was upon us, and it was by grace. Jesus came to restore it, and that it is restored by grace. Only by him we have forgiveness, we've been paid in full, Jesus' work. What are we trusting in? Jesus' work, what he's done. And Nathan last week said, well, what we trust in it, like we put our faith in it. Not, not in our work, that'll never hold us up, it won't work. We trust fully in Jesus' work and as we do that, God is restoring us. That's where we, we've been and I'm gonna keep going in this to say in this new relationship that we have, what's different? How then do we live our life when Jesus has done this, when we have a faith in Jesus, how do we live differently? So let's have a look at Romans 5, um, chapter 1 and 2 for a start. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, since, since we have this new relationship by faith, you, trusting in Jesus, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So the first thing I want to say is, in this new relationship, we have a different position. We have a, a, a position of peace and a position of grace in our stance with God, in our relationship with God. Now, I want to talk about these. Like, first of all, peace. Sometimes in the morning, I'll get up early and I'll go for a walk and I'll put earphones on and I'll listen to worship music. And the other day, the sun was coming up and it was beautiful. I mean, I was at peace. Like, amazing. And then an hour later, I was getting our kids ready for school. And we were getting lunches quickly. Could you please put your shoes on? Could you please put that in the bag? I told you three times. Come on. My peace had gone. It had gone. That is not the peace that's talked about here. This peace is a status. This peace is an objective peace that cannot be taken away. It is a peace that is given by God, declared by God, that you have peace with God in Jesus Christ. And it cannot be taken away. I don't want to, can't overstate it. It's given by grace to all in Jesus. You have peace with God. It is not going. You don't lose it and have it and lose it and have it. That is not it. In Jesus, because we're trusting in who he is, his perfect work, you have peace with God. The Bible said before Christ, we were enemies of God. It said before Christ, we were hostile towards God. Our our, our sinful natures, our rebellion, us wanting to take control of our lives, hostile to God. But no, as we come to Christ, we have peace with God, given says there too that we have access, did you see it, the access to the grace of God. Grace being undeserved favour. The undeserved favour of God. You, if you are in Jesus, now have access to that undeserved favour of God. There's a story in the Civil War in America of a soldier who lost his father and his brother in the war in the same day. And he went to his superior and he said, I I just need to go home and be with my mother and sister on the farm. The superior said, you could go go, um, get permission. And he had to go and meet the president or he wanted to meet the president. And so he went to the, the White House and he came to the gates. And of course, there were guards on the gate. And he said, this is what's happened. My father's died, my son's, my brother's died. I need to go home. I need to be released from serving in this war. I need to go back to my family. And the guard said, the present does not have time for you. Uh, it's a war. Go back to the front lines. The present is busy. Keep moving. And so he was sitting on a bench seat outside the the White House and this little boy came to him and saw that he was upset. And the little boy said, what's wrong? And he told him his story, told him that he wanted to, he'd come to talk to the the present to get relief and go back to his family. And the little boy said, I can help you with that. And he grabbed him by his hand and he walked towards the White House and he walked straight through those gates. He went straight through the front door of the White House began walking this man through the corridors of the White House, all the important officials there, straight up to the Oval Office, straight through the door, and there was Abraham Lincoln at the table with the maps of the Civil War, 
And Abraham Lincoln turned to his son and said, Todd, um, could you introduce me to your friend? And Abraham Lincoln listened to the story of this man and granted him uh, freedom to be with his family. He had an ear, he had the ear of the president. He was taken into the presence of the president. This is the picture that we get with Jesus. Now in Jesus, not because of who we are, because of who he is, he takes us to the throne of grace that we can experience and know the favor of God, the grace of God. And how much did it depend on how good you were, bad you were, what you did or didn't? Nothing. It's because of who Jesus is. The only problem with that illustration is it's like a one-off visit to the president. We now live, you have to understand this, we now live in a state of peace and grace, the favor of God upon us or available to us because of Jesus. Not just peace as in neutral, Peace is in, we can expect his grace in our lives because of Jesus. We can enter God's presence. We can come before him in any moment because of grace and because of Jesus. So you might think to me, and I don't know if you think in these ways, but you think, well, so what? Peace and grace, great words, but what's that mean for me on Monday morning, Tuesday, Thursday in my situation? Well, we now live with this status of peace with God that can't be taken away. The reality is we still live in a world of sin. You and I still sin. And one of the most important things is how we deal with that sin. Because we will sin. Does that take away from our peace with God, our status with God? As we sin, we have an accuser, I don't know if you've heard these voices before, that says, how, 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 do, how can you do that? You, why do you keep on sinning? Surely God cannot still love you when you continue to sin. You are a failure as a Christian. These voices come in our sin, and they're coming from the devil. Condemnation. And Paul says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. He says that there is peace with God. And so as we sin, we come to Jesus and we say, please forgive me in the moment. Like, we can be forgiven in a moment. Thank you, Jesus. I'm washed clean. I have a peace with God that's not gonna be taken away from me. And what it does, it actually leads us to worship, doesn't it? Thank you, Jesus, that you love me even though I sin. Please help me. Give me the grace to keep going on and living a holy life, but it leads to worship. Don't be condemned. Live in freedom and live knowing that that peace is yours forever. And grace. Sometimes we think that when we came to Jesus, we were saved by grace because I could do nothing about my sin, and that's true. But then we think, okay, now that I've been saved by grace, I better do a pretty good job and work hard to live the Christian life. Just listen to this, I wanna say, just as much as you could not save yourself and you needed grace for your forgiveness, you need grace, the same grace, to live your Christian life. You will not be able to love without the grace of God as we're called to love. We, we can't, I don't know about you, we can't. We can't forgive as we need to 
in and of ourselves. I can't have faith or trust or peace without the grace of God. So every moment I live, we are wanting to live in the grace of God. God, here I am, I can't preach this message, prepare this message, I can't go into this meeting, I can't be a parent as you want me to parent without the grace of God. But as we live and say, I can't do it, we're saying, God, I'm coming to that throne of grace and I want you to come and help me and do it in and through my life. And I'll talk about the Holy Spirit in a minute, but that's the greatest gift is his spirit coming in us and enabling us to live that life of grace. You can't live the Christian life, but he can through you. We have a status of peace and a status of grace, a position. Secondly, he gives us a perspective of hope. We live with, as ones with hope. Let's keep reading on in the passage. <clears throat> it says there... And we boast or rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I love that. Our situation was we all fell short of the glory of God. Now we are living rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory or rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. This is hope is a sure hope, an assurance of the restoration of our experience of the glory of God. What we fell short of, what we were separated from, he now gives a, an assurance or a hope of the glory of God. Now this plays out in a number of ways, but firstly I want to speak about eternity, about heaven, about the fullness of the glory of God. I can't comprehend it. The character of God, not this here, but the, the El Capitan of God's love, God's grace, God's peace, when we fully comprehend that is amazing. No more sin, no more suffering, no more pain, just the presence of God as he has created us for. That the greatest moment of love or joy in your life will not compare to eternity. I want to read a little bit of a story of a man called Richard Robart, who was a 19th century church minister, and he wrote about his expectation of heaven as he was dying in a journal. Uh, sadly, he was only 36 years old, and he, he was dying of tuberculosis, but I want to read a few of his accounts from this journal. He says, Frequently, all around me, Though I am about to expire, I thought that was an interesting way to, to, to describe death. While I was thus sinking, I, thought, I felt more of the consolations and support, supports of faith than I had ever experienced before. Oh, what that strong and assured confidence was I enabled, enabled me to look upon my Redeemer and how gladly would I have resigned my soul into his hands. So saying even in this moment, he was experiencing more peace, more love, more of the presence of God in these moments, even in death, that he would gladly have just gone to be with Jesus. In the, in the midst of suffering, Corrie ten Boom actually said, I would never have known that God is all I needed 
until God was all I had. So many things actually can come in the way of us fully knowing the glory of God. He gladly wanted to go into the presence. He writes on, he goes, in the course of this day, he experienced an ecstasy of heavenly joy. Um, His eyes were bathed in tears and he uttered words of praise, consolation and triumph. It, it, It appeared as if he were transported into paradise. It was evident he experienced a foretaste of heaven. He said, oh, I am happy in my God, in his love. I'm going to possess him forever. He said, I have felt myself firmly fixed upon the rock of ages and have been enabled to anticipate my departure from the body with unspeakable delight. One thing has much occupied my mind, mainly, this is interesting, this is what he was thinking in the moment, the great proneness that I have felt to rest short of the fullness of God. What he's saying is that as I am about to go into the presence of God, I'm reflecting on my life and my proneness to rest short of the fullness of God, to not capture in his life the fullness of who God was. He said, often it seemed within my grasp, often has my soul seemed to take possession of it, but never did I enjoy a constant sense of it, all, of all the great salvation of God. However, I never gave up hope of possessing it fully, and I trust that I shall now obtain my heart's desire. He's saying, God has something for me, but, but in my life I fell short of that, and, and I wish I'd taken hold of it more. I regret that, but he said, now... As I pass out of this life into the next one, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to experience the fullness of it with certainty. There's no question about it. An absolute assurance after death. Maybe some of you are fearful of death. Maybe you wonder what would happen after death. Well, here, in an incredible way, I've experienced it with people I've sat with as well, can be an absolute assurance and confidence in who God is and what he has done that we in that moment will pass into fullness of life in the presence of God because of what Jesus has done. That's the hope. That's the Christian hope. That's the perspective, a perspective of hope. And Paul speaks about that as as a hope we have This life is a vapor, that's eternity. And he speaks of suffering in this world, that suffering, God meets us in the midst of it, his grace is there for us, his love is there for us, and he's even working in it to build character in us, to actually make us more and more like God, that we might experience more and more of God. And Paul, who was beaten, was shipwrecked, was jailed, writes these words in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart when there's challenges or struggles. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we have been renewed day by day. Outwardly more pressures and more suffering, but inwardly I'm being renewed day by day, he said. And with this perspective of hope, he says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal, he says. 
In terms of the scales, he said, if I've got scales hanging here, he said, the, imagine the sin, the pain, and the burdens of the world piled in on this left-hand side. With God's glory on the right, he said, the, the suffering, the pain, the sin would be like a speck of dust compared to a bar of gold of being the glory of God in eternity. Life is a vapor. God's glory is eternal. We cannot comprehend how beautiful and how wonderful our eternal home will be that's been won by Jesus that is a gift of grace. May God give us some sense of how great it is and the glory it is and may we live with that hope. C.S. Lewis writes it this way, he said, all the loneliness, angers, the hatreds, envies and itchings this world contains, we all experience in this, and and I don't want to minimise suffering at all. I know all of us are suffering in, in various ways. But he says, if all of these things were rolled up into one single experience and put on the scale against just the least moment of joy that is felt in heaven, it would have no weight that could be registered at all. What an amazing way to put it, that that awaits the glory of God that Jesus has won for us and enabled for us. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, he says, but anyone who turns to the Lord The veil is taken away. We've spoken about that. There's no curtain, no separation between us and God. In verse 18, and we all with these unveiled faces contemplate, look at uh, the the Lord's glory. And then as we do that, we are being transformed into his image. The restoring of the image of God is happening in our life, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit, sorry, in ever-increasing glory. That as we walk with and know the glory of God in our day-to-day through peace and the grace of God, the hope of God, as we look at that, as we um, contemplate it, we then are being changed from glory to glory. That is the process that he is taking us on. So we have a, a, a position of hope and peace. We have, uh, sorry, of um, peace and grace. We have a perspective of hope. And then the third one I want to speak about is we have an experience of love. Did you get that? In verse five it says, and ho- this hope, this hope that we have, does not disappoint, it will not let you down, will not put you to shame, Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This here is the first mention of the Holy Spirit in Rome, in the book of Romans, and it just happened in God's planning to happen on Pentecost Sunday. How good's that? Amazing. The Holy Spirit. Now, now, this is one of those things, these concepts or ideas that we have to get our head around. The Holy Spirit is God's presence. And he said, it's being poured into your heart, in my heart, in our life, and the love of God is being poured out through the Holy Spirit. Now, this is God's presence living in us. 
I don't know about you, but something like that is too big for my mind, but I don't want to let go and say, I don't know about that. I want to say, what is that God? I want to know the fullness of what that means. God living in me, the Holy Spirit. And you might say, well, how do I know? Like, what, what would the Holy Spirit look like? Well, actually, you can nearly listen or go and talk to Stuart, or I can nearly see it in Stuart's life. When someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, comes and lives within them, making them new, giving them a new heart. Now, you might know yourself Um, you might have experienced or you've seen it in others, that then desires change. All of a sudden, a person that's not interested in reading the Bible, an atheist, for instance, begins to read the Bible and want to understand and know. A desire is birthed and changed. There's behaviours and, you know, it might be words and attitudes that before they receive Jesus... There'd be no problem with. But then as soon as that language is used, that attitude or that action, now there's this little trigger in them that's like, oh, oh, that's not so good the way you're speaking. What is that? Is that someone just saying, oh, I've got to try harder to, to work for Jesus and do the right thing? No, it's something from within, a Holy Spirit conviction and speaking. And the more we partner with the Holy Spirit in this, the more of Jesus' life we will have. But we, you know, I've seen, and and then even in my own life, like I was a teacher, when I first came to Jesus, all of a sudden, my love for students changed like that. All of a sudden, I saw them differently, I loved them differently, because there was a new life inside of me. Andrew Carnell can't live the Christian life, but the Holy Spirit within can. And if you're a believer, if you've receive Jesus, then the Holy Spirit was within you and then wants to live out of you and as we partner, he will change us from glory to glory. There'll be more of that in the future chapters of Romans, but here it speaks about pouring the love of God out into our hearts. Do you know that God loves you today? Here online, do you know that God loves you deeply Do you know it not just in your head, but do you know it in your heart as an experience of God's love? In this passage, Paul begins to speak about the the power or the breadth of God's love. He, He says, while you were still powerless, Christ died for you. While you were ungodly, Christ died for you. He gave up. Like, there's no greater love. He died for you. While you were still enemies, Christ died for you. And his argument is, he says, sometimes, if you've got a really good person, someone might think about um, laying down their life or sacrificing their life for that good person. But no one does that for their enemy. No one does that for someone who's powerless and, and ungodly. But this is what Jesus did. For us in that state, he laid down his life. Now I can tell you that, and you might get this little perspective that, wow, does God love me that much? That's amazing, that God would love me that much. And you know that. But the Holy Spirit being poured into a heart is a, a real and tangible experience or knowledge of that love. Let me say that there's a 
a father walking with his son, a five-year-old son, out, let's just say, in the, in the forestry, walking with, or along the beach, walking, a father and a son walking, holding hands. Now, the son knows that the father loves him. The father's always provided for him. The father's told him he's loved. Um, he's protected him. He's with him. He knows that he is loved by the father. The son does. But then in a moment, the father just turns to the son, picks him up, and just hugs him and squeezes him and says, gee, I love you, son. Gee, I love you. He throws him up in the air and catches him and maybe spins him around and says, gee, I love you. I love being with you. Now, when he puts him back down and then begins to walk with that son, what's changed? Like, he still knows that he is loved by, God, by the Father, but he's experienced that in his heart. He knows that I'm loved. It's like a, a, a hug. The Holy Spirit comes. God pours his life into us and confirms that you are loved by God. Do you know that you are loved by God today? Secure in his peace. Secure in his grace. Not because of what you have or haven't done, but solely because of who God is. Because of what Jesus has done for you and because God wants to come and pour his life and love into your heart. Do you know it's a free gift? It's a free gift when we just surrender and say, God, I'm so sorry. So sorry for going my own way. I don't want to be an enemy of you. I want to come to you. I want to receive forgiveness. I can't do it. I, I, I can't do this life. I, Stuart said it himself, and he comes, he surrenders, and God is faithful and fills with his love. This morning, whether you're online or here today, I want to give you the opportunity to receive that love that life, a restoration of the glory of God in your life, that you can experience God now in the midst of the sin and the suffering of this world. You can experience him and the hope that you will experience it in the El Capitan fullness of the glory of God in eternity. If I just ask the band to come up in a moment, I would love to pray for you. If you've never known the, the depth of that love, never known the, the heights and breadths of that love, there's a story of Jonathan Edwards and he prayed and he sought God and he was just in the park and he just had this, this vision of the greatness and the glory of God and the weight of it just fell on him and he said he was weeping for hours. And I've spoken to different ones here in the church and maybe you've come to worship and you're weeping and you don't even maybe know why, but, but God's love, like the, the reality of God's love comes and changes and transforms. And that's what God wants to do for us, not to be a distant God, not a God that we can just know about, but a God that we can experience. 
a God that we can live in a position of peace and grace, that we can live in a broken world with incredible hope and access His grace in the midst of that, the suffering and the challenges, and that we can experience an intimacy with Him, a love that's real and tangible in our hearts. And the reality is, I love this, the reality is God is here. God, He's everywhere. The reality is this is not my idea. This is what the Scriptures say. And so the reality is, and I love this, is we just say, with the gift, just say, I, I want it. God, I, I want to take that. And as we humble ourselves and say, God, I want more of you and less of me, we can just receive it. And God's not, he wants to do it. He's not holding it back, but it takes a humble heart to say, God, less of me, forgive me and more of you. Would you pray with me? Whether you're at home there or here in the auditorium, I, I firstly just want to pray for anyone that might not know with assurance that you have received forgiveness, that you have a position of peace and grace in Jesus. And if that's you this morning, whether online or here, I want to give you an opportunity now. And just as a step of faith or as an indication, with as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I, I just encourage you to say, Jesus, I want that now. I want to receive you, Jesus. I want to receive your forgiveness. I, I recognize it's your work. I'm putting my trust in your work. I'm admitting my sin, my rebellion that I've done life my way. And if that's you, just raise your hand right now. Just, just say, Jesus, that's what I'm saying to you right now. He sees, sees us, he knows us, he, he sees your heart. Just receive that now. Just put up your hand. Lord, I wanna pray for everyone that is wanting to put their faith and their trust in Jesus right this moment. Thank you, Jesus, that you forgive. Thank you that you wash our sins away. You remove them as far as the east is from the west. Thank you that we are made righteous. Thank you that we are loved, not because of what we've done, but because of who you are. Thank you for the new life. Say, even in your heart, say, Jesus, I want a new life. You can just pray that right now. Jesus, come and give me your life. I want to trade my life for the life that you want to give me, the life of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray for each one that you would fill with the Holy Spirit. Give that new life. And Lord, even for all of us, would we have more and more of an awareness of the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. Less of us and more of you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just to finish, because it's Pentecost uh, Sunday, I would love for us to, we're going to worship in a moment, but to pray and to anoint with oil and just with a heart of surrender, a heart of humility, come before God and say, God, I need you. I need that Holy Spirit within me. Actually, more than I need, the world needs. The world needs people that have God's life in them and coming out of them. And that's you. And that's me. 
And so I want to encourage us to come in surrender and say, God, the world needs you. I need you. And to come with a, with a, with a humility and faith to say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Might give us a greater awareness of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, fullness of the glory of God in and through me. So in a moment, we're going to worship, but don't hold back. Just come and be prayed for. God hears our heart. He sees our actions, our actions of response, and He responds. And we're about to worship, and the song is about God being far above and beyond us. And so I encourage us as a church in humility just to worship Him and give Him all the honour and glory that He deserves. If you are online, um, the, the, the hosts there are going to have a prayer time with you as well. You hang around with them. If you would love prayer, they would love to pray with you as well. So let's stand and sing and uh, worship him, give him all the honour and glory that he deserves. But don't miss this opportunity to be prayed for on Pentecost Sunday. Let's do that now.
God, you are too good. Lord, there's no words to, to utter that will ever comprehend or explain, Lord, how good you are. Lord, we just pray that prayer that Moses prayed. Continue to show us your glory. Show us how great you are, how loving you are, how gracious and merciful, powerful you are. Lord, I just want to pray, God, for every individual that's here, every individual online, that they would know the heights and depths and breadths of the love that you have for them. Lord, give us your life, fullness of life, we pray. And Lord, all glory and all honour to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. If I did want to say... Please, if you would like prayer, just continue to come. And I'm, I apologise for the mezzanine. Please come down. There'll be a prayer team waiting here to pray for you as well. Um, also, finally, I want to say, church, don't miss the opportunity to enter that throne of grace on Tuesday night. Come out and worship. Come and meet with God and be filled by God on Tuesday night. Thanks so much, and we look forward to seeing you there next week. Thank you. Have a good week.